Hey, before we jump into the show, I wanted to give you a heads up that my free YouTube strategy class is available right now on demand at thinkmasterclass.com. On the class, I reveal the one YouTube strategy we use at Think Media to generate over 330,000 views every single day. So if you're new to YouTube, this will help you start right and avoid mistakes. And if you're a YouTube pro, this training will help you multiply your growth. This class is 100% free and you can watch it now on demand at thinkmasterclass.com. Now let's jump into today's show. Are you following bad YouTube advice that is hurting your channel? Posting more videos gets you more views. It's false. You need to niche down on YouTube to succeed. True or false? I'm gonna go true. 99% of people who say they're being shadow banned are just putting out crappy content and they're trying to blame somebody else and it's a victim perspective and you're gonna lose with that mentality. You know, there's a lot of outdated strategies out there that are being perpetuated by the gurus. And so in this episode of the Think Media podcast, we're going to be talking about what's true and what's false when it comes to YouTube tips and strategies. And I'm pumped because we got Nolan and Omar on the podcast. Nolan, how's it going? So good. I'm happy to be here. Uh, I just want to jump right into the first one because we got some great uh, I'm going to read a statement and this is how it's going to work. Omar, you're going to say true or false. Uh, I'll jump in there, Sean, true or false. And we're going to discuss this. The, I think the beauty of this though, is we might disagree on some of these. And so I'm excited for just the perspectives of, uh, everybody here. So the first one is posting more videos gets you more views. Omar, I'm curious your perspective, true or false. What do you think? The first thing that comes to mind is true because how do you even know what's getting views unless you experiment and upload videos? 100%. And one of the things that I actually thought about was the time when we came onto the Think Media channel and we went, this was uh, 2020, I think March, COVID's happening. And we started going from, what was it, two a week to five a week? Do you remember what it was, Sean? Was it, it was about two a week. Yep. And we go more than double uploads. And I just remember our like, our view count. If you go back and we'll do a little screen. Yeah, we'll do a little uh, screen thing, like arrow, like pointing here. You'll see it just like almost like double views. And so there is a, there is a truth to it. There's also the other side that I would argue that in a certain way, it could be false because some people, when they do that, they don't have a team around them. And so you have these solo creators who try to pump up, pump out more content and they're making worse videos. Can you speak to that too, Sean? Because I know there's people in our community who do that. And sometimes the right answer is actually post less, though posting more can get you more views. It's like an oxymoron. Yeah, the mistake of a lot of small YouTube creators is they feel like a lot of uploads is a badge of honor. But the problem is if you keep uploading piles of poop, all you have is just more piles of poop. And so there's a quality factor to it. You don't want to be overly judgmental of the fact that like it is, of course, the content value, not the production value. But sometimes people, they're just, there's not a strategy. The titles aren't right. The, the content's not super valuable. So if you can maintain quality while increasing quantity, then if you double your uploads, you'll probably double your views. That's so good. Uh, the next one is interesting because I hear both of this so much, but here's the statement and I want to know true or false, Sean. Search content is outdated. People, YouTubers should only focus on browse and suggest that this is kind of a, a new trend, especially with like Mr. Beast, Iraq. These guys are making ultra viral videos 
And so people look to these guys and they're like, dude, what? Like, I should be doing what they're doing. Search content, like, no one's searching for these videos that Mr. Beast is making. And so I get where they're coming from, but do you think this is actually true or false? I think it's false. I think um, I understand where people are coming from because what happens is people mix YouTube topics and strategies. I mean, there's entertainment and there's education. And we speak to so many educators that are tapping into the power of search-based content. And there's massive opportunity there. It's 100% still a search engine. A lot of critics also compare the education channels to the entertainment channels. And they go, oh, if they don't get a million views, they're not valuable. And we work with so many business owners and stuff that have one, five, $10 million a year, a month businesses with small traffic. It's really kind of about the business model. It's about the strategy. But I even heard, I mean, there's some notable social media voices. Gary Vaynerchuk was talking about how YouTube shorts from a search standpoint is a huge opportunity if you were doing like a niche wine show. Our friends at vidIQ were building a video editing PC or a gaming PC and every piece they were searching for the gaming PC was a ranked short based on search because if you can answer the question in less than 60 seconds, it may not be going viral, but it's gonna get that slow and steady wins type of traffic. And so it's not really either or, it's and both in this case. I love that you brought up YouTube shorts ranking because I was I was trying to cook something and I noticed for the first time at the top of my search was the shorts shelf and it was exactly what I was looking for. And it makes sense too because I don't really want to watch like a three minute long video on how to grill chicken on my, on my, uh, on my charcoal grill. And so I watched the short and it makes sense from a viewer standpoint and it's something to consider. And what I found was interesting is we in 2022 think media YouTube search was 47.6% of our total views. And so we have, that's a Based, flex. Ha, dude, half of our audience is coming through search. And I know you produce a lot of search content. Yeah. Can you real quickly, before we get to the next one, talk about like kind of some people get discouraged because they post a search video and uh, it's like 10 out of 10. I don't get discouraged. Yeah. So talk to me th about that. No, I, I think one of the most underrated stats that people aren't encouraging is real time views. When you go into your YouTube studio on the right side of your screen, you're going to see the amount of views you're getting in, in every 48 hour period. That is such a powerful stat. And we average around 350,000 views. And we're meeting that many people every 48 hours, like meeting or we're meeting again. And I love that. I don't, I don't want, I don't like the game. And, and it is, there's a preference to it just based off of the way my brain works and my personality. I don't like the game where my last upload, you know, like my next upload is, has to be my best upload. And that's just, that's not... I don't know, the compound interest on that emotional toil I'm not trying to go into, but I'll upload a video. I know it won't perform well, but we'll look back in a year from now and be like, sick, 150K. Yeah. yeah. That's a good point because even Mr. Beast has said, like, he feels the pressure that he's always trying to one-up himself. Right. Whereas if you're also playing kind of in the practical search game, you're not really trying to one-up yourself. You're just consistently pulling out valuable content. That's sort of a slow and steady wins and not playing the sensational game. And we, I mean, make your thumbnails better, make your title better. Let's get that click-through rate. But there's so much practical opportunity on YouTube. And sometimes there's a lot of wisdom in that simplicity. This next one's controversial. Uh, a lot of people are going to be triggered by this one in the comments. Um, we're going to talk about YouTube tags. 
Here's the statement, true or false, using tags gets you more views on YouTube. What do you say, Sean? It's false. Using tags will not get you more views in isolation. If you also, referencing the pile of poop we were discussing earlier, (laughs) if you tag a pile of poop well, it's still a pile of poop. And so tags should be affirmation that you made a good video and you did great research. And what's funny is me saying that tags actually getting you views is false. I still see the value in tags because if you do your research properly, you're looking for long tail keyword video topics and you also are adding the right tags. It's metadata as well as description and title. And you use a tool like vidIQ, it tells you like this video is ranking for these different tags. It's not that the tags influence the video in any way. It's simply that your process is verified and aligned by the tags you finally add to the video. So let me ask you this though, uh, on tags, because people who maybe are just getting started on YouTube or doing it for a while, haven't found success. They hear that, you know, a lot of people are saying just like tags are worthless, And what you're saying is adding tags isn't going to help you get views. There's way more important things you need to do. But should the person who's starting out, they're making content, should they leave the tags blank? Or can it actually, because you're talking about metadata, does it actually help them rank in search? Is it one of those kind of factors like maybe it doesn't, what are your thoughts on that? Should they add in tags? I would say that you should do everything YouTube gives you the opportunity to do. And you should use a tool like vidIQ because if you use it properly, you can add tags in about 30 seconds or less and it's really quick and easy. But in terms of influence, your title is gonna carry a lot more weight than tags. And if something's search-based, the words used in the title that still appeal to humans but also are very clickable, that would be the greatest weight. Then your description would carry more weight than tags because that's a little blog post. There may be some influence metadata-wise there. What you say in your video itself and the caption file, even if you don't do the caption file and the content, content itself would be the next thing to optimize. So tags is just at the bottom of the list. And I think it's like about a 1% influence. This is from the mouth of YouTube, they said that tags also help with spelling errors, that one of the things that you can add in your tags is alternative versions of maybe the topic that you're going after to kind of flush out those details. And so, yeah, I think they're worth doing. And I think that I would recommend a new creator or a small channel understand the reasoning behind using tags because when you develop that discipline, you're going to be a better content creator over uh, overall. You're going to be thinking about how do I structure my video, come up with a great t- topic, title it well, can you know build a good script for it or a good outline for it, and just align all of those details. That's what we talk about in our Video Ranking Academy program. Is literally just understanding like blank page to published video, and it's a piece of the pie. It's just such a small piece, and where I think people go into air is they. They major on the minors, and sometimes they minor on the majors. They spend more time thinking about video optimization in terms of metadata as opposed to really investing a ton of energy in making the best video possible. I think part part of making the best video possible is finding the right videos to make, 
which is the perfect segue to tell people to go watch our Think Masterclass because honestly, in uh, if you go to thinkmasterclass.com, it's a free training and you share like much more practical advice that is important and matters right now. So if you are using tags, you're on YouTube, you're just, you haven't been able to figure it out or you're looking to scale just the content you already have, I definitely recommend go to thinkmasterclass.com, check it out. It's a really cool training that we offer for free over there. And I think there's just a ton of value that, um, where you just go deeper on some of those things that really matter for YouTube. And so definitely check that out. Link is in the description. Yeah. And just another two cents on the tag thing. I do like it as another point of measuring success. Like if we make a video around something that we're trying to ride the influence of that, whether it's a person or a product uh, or a software that like we can see how it's performing at a glance, you know, based off the various keywords that we use inside of the tags. So I, I like it as a point of measuring. We a success uploaded a video the other day and it ranks number one, two, three, seven, five on various different things around that camera. So it just gives us good peace to know that like the video is working, you know? Yeah. I love that. And what's really cool too about uh, the YouTube studio now is you can go in there and if you actually go into your analytics and you go over to your reach and you're looking at just where are these views coming from, YouTube will show you uh, not just how much percent of the video is from search, but it will show you the search terms, which I think is really cool. So YouTube's evolving. It's um, search isn't dead. Tags are useful and uh, it's really cool. But I have the next one for you, Omar, which uh, I'm curious to hear your thoughts though. I feel like I already know your answer on this one, but the thing is a lot of people don't believe this. Okay. So here's the statement. YouTube is oversaturated. What what do you say? True or false? I think it's false Um, because... And the thing I like to say is if you're not on YouTube, then it's not oversaturated. That the, the beauty of YouTube is the uniqueness of the creator, the experiences that a creator has. And that's why we're seeing new creators come up on the come up and quick have grow growth or grow quickly. And so I, I like to say YouTube needs you, you know, YouTube needs your uniqueness. And as long as you're not uploading, then it's not crowded. Yeah, I totally agree. I just started a brand new YouTube channel, did not promote it, did not do any ads or shout it out or tell people to go follow it. Uh, just started it. I let YouTube do its thing. I, I just followed basically our perfect video recipe, just the stuff that we teach. And um, in our Think Master class, Doc. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, no. Uh, and, you know, it blew up. I mean, in the sense that like one of the videos got a million views, a couple hundred thousand views. It's, I got monetized within a month. This is a brand new channel though. So I, you know, it's, it's just cool to see that. And I have a, another friend who he did the the same thing. We're in this, like, we call it a creator mastermind, but we just meet once a week and we talk about YouTube and he started a brand new gaming channel. Talk about over what people think is oversaturated, started a brand new gaming channel and his first video within a couple of weeks hits a million views. Dude's monetized, making money. He just dropped another video. It's doing well. And it's it's encouraging to people who are sitting on the sidelines still because get in the game. Like, <laughs> there is so much room. And just I, I think you even know some of the statistics about just how many people are still on YouTube. There's room. Yeah. And I love that about YouTube. Yeah. I mean, I think that saturation is a myth when it comes to YouTube. And I think with 2.6 billion monthly active users, the consumption 
is so high and the desire for great content. It's really a supply and demand, and there's just endless demand, which means there's an opportunity for creators to start and contribute the supply. But, you know, I'm empathetic. I think when people hear those stories, they just think, yeah, but I'm, I'm stuck or I just, I'm not growing. It feels oversaturated. And admittedly, there is a massive skill set to build. Like we, I kind of feel like maybe here at Think Media, after, you know, being pulled out of the matrix and then like pulled into the dojo to like learn how to fly, fight from Morpheus. <laughs> and then eventually we finally like wake up and we have kind of a revelation. We're like, oh, and now we can like see the matrix. Like, and so we're dodging bullets and it's bullet time and there's, you know, and like all of a sudden, and that's, you, you started a brand new channel, but you're Nolan Molt after years of testing and experimenting and some failures and training at Thick Media and building out your own stuff and, and trying a bunch of things. Omar has put out some videos, reviews his video game tape, just like Kobe would always do. After he won a game or lost a game, he would review the game tape and think about how he could get better on the next upload. So if you have the right skills, if you can kind of identify trends psychology gaps in the market. No, there's unlimited opportunity on YouTube. But if you're just doing the same thing everybody else is doing, if you're just kind of playing by yesterday's rules, if you're unwilling to learn, if you're unwilling to grow, um, if you're unwilling to adapt and pivot, then it can feel very saturated. I think the one other thing to consider though is YouTube can actually never be saturated because every single day new things happen. And a lot of creators are lazy. Even a lot of successful creators, they get comfortable and they get complacent. So there's always new things to talk about. There's new products to review. There's new news events happening. There's new movies coming out. There's new TV shows coming out. You know, the Lord of the Rings, Rings of Power, was purchased, the IP by Amazon. They make a new show. Lord of the Rings is a big brand, but had not had didn't have anything major happening. The movies were done, the Hobbit movies were done, and then all of a sudden, boom! There's a whole revitalization of people interested in it, thinking about the the lore, the books, the board games, the cards, the show, and so 10, 20, 30, 50 Lord of the Rings channels can spawn off of things happening in culture and new things will always be happening in culture. So if you're following culture and trends and connecting that to your passion, then again, there's something that's going to happen in the next month that we don't even know is going to happen right now. How many people have made videos about chat GPT? All I see now is actually videos about like AI, right. chat GPT, but it's actually a whole new opportunity and a whole new set of videos to make about how to do it, what to do, the cool things, gimmicks, how to start side hustles, how to use it for YouTube, how to use it for business, how to use it for fitness, how to use it. So there's new things happening. And because there's always new things happening, the new can never be saturated because it just started today and tomorrow isn't even here yet. So if you position yourself and you're nimble, then saturation is a myth. New ah. days bring new distinctions. Mm. Gotta <laughs> preach. All right, go there we go. Um, so I feel like this is a good next one to go into it. Um, you need to niche down as a beginner on YouTube to succeed. True or false? I'm going to go, I'm going to go true. Um, I think you're, you only help YouTube by YouTube knowing what your channel is about. And, and by niche, I think, I think that's where like the, the gray area is because you can, your niche could be living in New York, and you can go to coffee shops and go to restaurants and vlog, and that could be your niche. Um, so you don't have to like minimize what your idea of a niche is, but YouTube essentially should know what your channel is about, and you help them by posting consistent videos around a specific 
or gray niche, I guess you could say. Yeah, I think it's I think it's true and false and in between. So as far <laughs> as narr- narrowing down my answer and clarity goes, <laughs> so, but I mean, I think that there's examples of different creators that sometimes they do start and they experiment because they're so small. Yeah. You could post, you know, 50 videos, none of them break out and you're trying different things and then one breaks out. But then what you do is you begin to focus over time. Like your channel begins to take on a life of its own and you follow the clues of success. You follow the breadcrumbs of the videos that are performing well. But I think if you continue to post random content over time, then you'll never actually build a significant brand. But if you're just starting, experimenting, I think could be okay. My favorite word this year, more than niche, is simply the word focus. Like what's the focus of the channel? Because what for some people, when they think niche down, they're like, it can't even be a beauty channel. It has to only be nails. It can't even just be nails. It has to be nail art that has a cosplay angle and is only World of Warcraft nails because I really want to stand out and be a specific niche. You're like, dude, that's too specific. That's like, that. that's not that. So what's the focus though? Like right. what is the focus of your YouTube channel, channel? focus. And I think that focus is power. The, the last thing is sort of like, what are you building? So again, you might be experimenting at the start, trying different things. But I think about like going to a restaurant. Like when you want to go to a restaurant, you actually set out with a specific intent and focus. You're like, I want to go get sushi tonight. So if you take your partner, you go get sushi, that's what you expect. That's what they become known for. And if you want to go somewhere else, you go somewhere else. So on YouTube, it's like, do you want to watch comedy or do you want to learn something or do you want, but imagine if you sat down at sushi, you've been going there for eight weeks and the server comes over to you and just, you know, you put in your order, but then he decides to bring out chips, salsa, a burrito. Like you might love Mexican food as well, but you're like, what's happening here? Like, that's, that's not what I'm here for. Like what, this is not the focus of your, they're like, I just feel like doing something different. I just feel like being creative. (laughs) There's too many creators that actually do that though. They're just like, oh, my mood changed. And you're like, yeah, but you started a sushi restaurant. So there's, there's the practicality of staying focused, maybe launching another restaurant because here in Vegas, there's people who like, they launched a really cool fusion spot. Now they want to launch someplace else. Great. But what's the focus? And if you really want to build a big brand, I think that's the thing. And even just a successful brand, you want to be known for something. You want to be known for one thing. And it may kind of be a mood. It may be New York. It may be modern kind of a a hip hop culture perspective, which could cover a lot of variety within it. It may be like entrepreneurship, Tim Ferriss kind of biohacking, which again, you may talk about investing, you may talk about biohacking, but like there's a focus there. There's a particular thing that's there. If if it's random, uh, if your YouTube channel is random over the long haul, you're going to get random results. You probably won't have long-term traction and you certainly won't build a legacy. This video was brought to you by StreamYard. StreamYard is our go-to platform for streaming to YouTube and Facebook with an incredibly easy to use interface for built-in branding, transitions, text lower thirds, and seamlessly bringing on guests. It really is one of the best options when it comes to live streaming. And what's so cool is they've implemented a brand new feature called local recording. Take control of your audio and video with local recordings by separating out your audio and video from your guests. This feature gives you the control over your content for later use, making it perfect for podcasts and video creators. Just go to streamwiththink.com to get started now. To just carry on with that restaurant analogy, I really like that because 
one of the things that I am often telling people is to think about why is someone watching your content? And it takes a lot of self-awareness because just the, you know, you go to, you know, a taco shop, right? And maybe the person of the YouTube channel here is the restaurant owner, the cook, right? So, and they're like, well, they're coming to my restaurant because they just want a good experience with food. And so then they bring out cheeseburgers and they're all confused. It's like, well, that's not actually why they're coming here. They're actually coming here because they love your tacos. And so it's like, is someone coming to your channel because you make funny videos? Maybe, but they actually might be coming to your channel because of your funny videos on sports or something. So it's like being self-aware and like, and experiment, right? And then you can see that video, you know, didn't resonate with my audience. And so maybe sometimes it's a new channel. Maybe it's like, let's stick in this lane. And that can really help people, I think, just go further faster. And the, the next statement here is, if you don't get traction after 30 videos, you should pivot your niche. This is advice that I've heard, um, but generally, I know there's a lot of deep diving you need. Is this true or false? Like, at what point should the person pivot? I think maybe the word isn't pivot. I think the word would be packaging. I think because if you're post thirty videos, good job. Like, clap it up. Like, that's that's a lot of work. But, but four views. But four <laughs> views on it. You might be packaging the information incorrectly or not to its most effectiveness. Uh, you might not be titling and thumbnail storytelling uh, to its best ability. But that's what I would say. I would say mm. think about the package of the videos because if you're just beating a dead horse with your 30 uploads and you're just throwing it up and you're not case sensitive, like on the titles, you don't care. Like, yeah, I uploaded 30 videos, but like how how is it? That is so yeah. smart and it reminds me of your PBD conversation you were telling us and how the locker room, can you explain that? Because part of that is if you, if you're posting 30 videos and you aren't getting views, what you're saying is like, you don't need to pivot your channel because you might pivot to a channel and still fail. (laughs) So the packaging, and I, I, I like that you said packaging because title and thumbnail, and then even your video, those are like main things to focus on, but that comes with going to the locker room. Yeah. I mean, going in the locker room, people think that experience is the best teacher and it's not. You have the experience of posting 30 videos, but experience isn't the best teacher. Evaluated experience is the best teacher. That means actually going back and thinking about what are the takeaways, what are, what can I learn from this, which I would encourage people, number one, if you are self-aware, that can be something you do yourself. If you can start studying YouTube analytics, that'll give you some insights. But you probably need an outside perspective because a lot of us, we need we need coaching, we need help. We just need somebody that can see what we can't see. Sometimes it's hard to see the forest from the trees. And so I would also say that I think it's probably false that you need to pivot your niche at 30 videos. And I would agree with Omar that there's probably just something else you should pivot first. And one of those that I think is the biggest missed opportunity is pivoting your video formats. And so you've done 30 videos, they're talking head with no editing. And then they're like, it's not working. Well, what if you still are talking about personal finance, but now you're doing a voiceover and it's all B-roll and there's captions on screen, that would be a faceless version of similar content, not talking head. 
what if you figured out how to do the whiteboard drawn videos and you presented the same information? You're doing book summaries. It's a booktube thing. It's huge. People want to watch a summary of a book, but you just sitting there talking, they, they want a different format. And that could be you write a better script. There's some B-roll there, or there's you know the whiteboard videos. There's software that'll do that for you and you tweak that software. Maybe it's a video podcast format um, that is a little bit different than what you were previously doing. There's different variables and levers you should try because your experimenting hasn't stopped. But maybe if there's no results after 30 videos, definitely you should pivot something and just understanding the variety of the things you can pivot to keep the experiments going, but change some of the variables. I love it. I love it. I think that's so good to hear for someone, you know, in that situation. Um, so I'm glad we touched on that because I know that is like a lonely, tough spot to be in where it's not working and you're just not sure what to do. And we actually did a free YouTube challenge. And so we'll, we'll put a link in the description if you guys want to join the next one. But uh, someone in the challenge, they were in our VIP group and they were wondering if they were shadow banned. And so this statement um, stemmed from, from this person. I have thousands of subscribers and it was mainly from shorts. We'll get to that next, but I have thousands of subs, barely any views. Is YouTube shadow banning my content? Is this true or false? Does YouTube do this? Um, I know it depends on, on, but like, what do you guys think? I, I, I could start I, on this I think one. It's, I think it's false. I think it's false, but I also I think the extreme is true. Yeah. I do think sometimes YouTube just chooses a creator yeah. and just gasses their content. Well, I do, I've seen that, but, but why, why do you think is that I, happening? I don't, and that's where like, I call it the unicorn effect. Like you kind of can't put your finger on it quite necessarily. Like I was talking about a comedian, uh, a new comedian, a young Mexican dude that's just been showing up like crazy on my TV, YouTube shorts, on my, uh, you know, and I've been watching my Instagram. I don't know. I'm like, the algorithm on the internet felt like I, it caught this guy. You know, he's yeah. only got a couple standups. And, but at the same time, he's not like trying to like break, he's just being him doing his thing. And it just, the time and then boom, it, you know. But I don't think YouTube is like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, well, yeah. And I, I know there might even be some people in our community that, are offended by that because they'd say, of course they shadow ban. Well, here's what I mean. Number one is I think that 99% of people who say they're being shadow banned are just putting out crappy content and they're trying to blame somebody else and it's a victim perspective and you're gonna lose with that mentality. Is it true that YouTube and Google is more of a liberal leaning organization? Yes. And is it true that at times they have been harder, it would seem, on sometimes conservative voices, yes. However, there's plenty of conservative channels that are going viral, getting a lot of views. And the reason I say false is to empower the listener to say that the only mentality that will lead you to a winning YouTube channel is just assuming that shadow banning is not happening. And if you're not getting views, work harder. If you're not getting views, be more creative. If you're not getting views, hit it from a different angle. If you're not getting views on certain topics, we'll find the topics you can talk about and move your audience somewhere else. So what, what do a lot of conservative channels do? They are also building up their following on Rumble or they're building their own OTT. Wait, uh, hold on. What, what is Rumble? Uh, uh, am I, that, I don't know what this is. Rumble's a video sharing platform oh. kind of favoring oh, uh, conservative voices because okay. they're not going to uh, uh, be as, and, and anybody can post there, okay. but a lot of people diversify their audience over there or... Um, it, it's a play. I mean, Andrew Tate went over to rumble okay. 
And I don't think people would necessarily, maybe you consider him conservative, probably not. But I mean, just speaking against big brand, big tech or or the matrix as he calls it and all this different stuff. Punchline is again, I think you have to be savvy. You have to be shrewd, but but 99% of people that think they're getting shadow banned I would say YouTube doesn't even know you exist, actually. You're not getting shadow banned. You just need to improve your content. And and because what are you going to do about it as well? I mean, that, that's my thought is like, it's a disempowering place because the only real option you have is to complain about it. What are you going to email Google? They're not going to do anything. You know, like, and so there's plenty of people from all different beliefs and backgrounds who find a way. They, they publish certain content on YouTube. They build up an email list. Again, they build up their own paid subscription site. They just find a different way to communicate and maybe they put out certain types of content. You know, my friend Ruslan, he will talk about, he is thoughtful about certain things he talks about on YouTube. And then he's like, and we, we have like unedited stuff in our Patreon. So it, YouTube is still the play. YouTube is the number one video platform. Some people may want to diversify, but I would never leave YouTube. You just may be thoughtful about your approach, but I think the shadow banning thing just gets overhyped. And I think you can find, you also, you can get what's called a confirmation bias. You hear a couple stories and you're like, see that this creator, this happened. And you're like, yeah, but there's also these creators over here that have the exact same viewpoints that are pulling 50 million views a month. So it's like, you can, what you want to see is kind of what you will see. I'd say put your head down, do the work, be wise as serpents and harmless as doves. And who cares about shadow banning, man? Get to work. Get to work. I love that. And I would just add too that you might have a lot of subscribers. That doesn't mean you're going to get a lot of views. Fact. And so just Good. know that. This, subscribers that's is how YouTube the is. new dirty data. It is. Kind of. It can be, definitely it can be. And so people get, you know, confused, like I'm shadow banned, but it's like, you might've done really well in the past. Maybe you had some shorts blow up. You got a couple thousand subs now, but your videos, like you said, aren't doing that well. The one other thing I'd add to that is where I think people need to be careful to actually not get shadow banned is understanding that YouTube is a company that they run ads. So People post like crazy content. I think there was just a lot of kind of stuff with the Nelk boys going on and and they were getting, I think, kicked off of YouTube and their content and all this kind of stuff. And so, because uh, they're posting, you know, more content that is not as advertiser friendly. And so keep that in mind, like- and is arguably crime in certain situations. <laughs> like, I mean, whether and it was, and, and I, you know, like that's the kind of stuff you get into because of course, during lockdowns, they're doing huge meetups. They're, they're putting observably potentially like the public in danger and you could debate all that. But when you step into that territory, it's a great conversation because what some people, one thing that gets people really mad is right now, YouTube's cracking down on swearing. And that if you really swear at all, that you're no longer going to be considered family friendly. And they're so offended. You're like, yeah, well, then either swear because you want to and figure out how to monetize elsewhere or don't do it. Like people just get so butt hurt all the time. (laughs) Yeah, they really did. Like, it's like, dude, it's a free platform that if you kind of they get to make the rules. And so it could be, you know, swearing. It could be doing dangerous things or dangerous pranks. And then it could be... Uh, well, did you see all the new updates with gamers? And so even within the first like 10 seconds, there's certain advertisers are just, 
you're not going to be able to be monetized uh, if basically if you show violence within the first 10 seconds or if you or if there's like blood in the video game like there's there's new rules coming out uh, yep. for certain niches and people need to play by the rules of YouTube if they're giving you your paycheck that's and just they're the like, way it is and guys, and, and gamers are like I can't believe it I can't even play any games based on this it's not even like MA17 it's like MA13 on the violence and you're like okay man okay I understand but like if you are a true entertainer and you build up a true audience like you can do channel memberships you could do patreon you can uh diversify your audience on different platforms you can figure it out i'm empathetic because i mean depending on what you're doing people just i mean it's like you want to have your cake and eat it too and in some cases it seems like that doesn't necessarily work but there are going to be those who make excuses and complain and play the victim card and there are going to be those who find a way and get results and I think that the winning strategy is the strategy of finding a way and figuring it out to be yourself, to be authentic, but to not complain about YouTube cracking down on you. It is what it is, man. You got to just play with, take ownership and uh, play the hand you're dealt. Yeah. Yeah. So I got two quick fire round questions or statements, and then I want to finish on a, on a good one that I think um, the listeners are going to love to hear your guys' thoughts on this. So fire round, Omar, the video packaging matters more than the video itself. Let me reword it. The thumbnail and title matter more than the video itself. Is that true or false? It's false. It's false because as soon as I click on it, then it's then I click off of it, and then YouTube's like they're clicking on it, and then they're clicking off of it. We're not going to show this to more people. Yes, that's so. Something I was thinking about with this question too is there was this study. We'll show it if you're watching uh, the YouTube version of this. But he did this uh, study where he used to work at Google, and now he's like building some cool software uh, for like YouTube ex- extension plugins and stuff. Basically, he found through like sixty thousand different uh, videos that he ran through his software that the number one predictor of views was average view duration times click through rate. So ultimately what that means is it is both, but what you're saying makes so much sense because if your click-through rate is super high, but then your average view duration gets crushed, it doesn't matter. So yeah, I love that answer. But what would you say true or false on that one? I would say false as well. Yeah. Yeah. Like the the video has to be good. However. And good by information. Yeah. Delivering on like this, that real estate, if you like this real estate agent in Las Vegas is just booming right now. And his thumbnails are like, they're simple, kind of random, but they're simple, like burning house behind him. He's doing Loom video, just looking at articles and uploading his Loom video. But the information, it's the potency of the content, you know, it delivers. And so... Yeah, uh, we actually actually posted a video on Think Media. I don't know if Sean knows this, so... um, Uh, we might get in trouble here a little bit, but we posted a video on Think Media accidentally without a thumbnail and it performed one out of, <laughs> one out of 10. ten. And Kyle, do you remember how long it was without yeah, I, a thumbnail? I caught it like three hours after. It three was hours. Like, oh. So, and it was one out of 10. One, there's some branding there. People know Think Media. And so they clicked on it and then like they were just hooked in. And so um, it just, it, it's kind of funny. There is the, there's the point. Exactly. Okay. Uh, one last fire round. You, uh, to be a YouTuber, you need to be an extrovert. Totally false. Totally false. false. Yeah. Uh, what's interesting, actually, you know, we've all now connected. We we go to Vid Summit and different events and Grow a Video Live, and we've connected with so many creators. 
And one of the themes you'll see is, first of all, successful YouTube creators are all different ages, all different personalities, all different backgrounds. But a large majority of successful YouTube creators are introverts because the wiring of an introvert is to, what you're doing is you're sitting in a bedroom, a home office alone, talking to a camera, not even a person, and staring at a glass lens to make eye contact. It's a pretty introverted situation. Extroverts are thriving off of sitting across from someone at coffee. And what we're trying to do is imagine that happening because you're literally there by yourself. So that's kind of the introvert advantage. But I would say that almost nobody has really an advantage. It's just about learning the skills, punching fear in the face, because literally every personality type has figured out how to succeed on YouTube. Yeah. And you mentioned earlier about like focus. I might get flack for this, but like, you know, people who are like on the spectrum and not in a bad way, on the spectrum as in they have an insane level of focus are usually the YouTubers that are just like, so you see, you meet them in person, they're just, they're kind of just socially awkward, but like they're incredible creators because of just how they're wired. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've just, I don't know, even like entrepreneurs who have grasped the whole creating, um, you know, journey, they're like, Awkward. I don't know. I like, I mean, I'm like, we're involved in church and stuff. I like, I want to make sure I don't stay awkward or get awkward, but this can get you awkward. Yeah. Yeah. Over time. I mean, yeah, you're thinking about a lot. You're cooking up a lot of things. And focus is a superpower because if you have to get away from your desk and like unwind, that's totally fine. But the person who could be head down, disciplined, methodically going through the things, connecting divergent ideas and strategies. Yeah, like you'd be talking to people at a video conference and and they're they're still calculating <laughs> algorithms, you know, thinking about their next project or something. Yeah, it's a whole different kind of breed. Yeah, uh, I love it. No, those are great answers. Um, now, this statement is that you need to post consistently to grow on YouTube, even if that means just once a month. So uh, the priority here is like, do you really need to be consistent with the Tuesday, with the first, first weekend of the month. Um, yeah, today, you know, maybe this has changed over time, but today, is that true? It is true. And I think consistency is misunderstood. So it's true because I think the idea of Tuesday morning at 8 a.m. and that kind of thing is, is fine. And that can build like momentum. I think what consistency does though, is consistency if you're going to do anything in life that's going to be truly successful, you need to be consistent at it. It wasn't like I just invested in my marriage one year and then it was successful for the rest of life. You have to keep investing in it. That would be the dream though. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> if there was only a way, we wrote a book. The, the, the one year marriage investment for lifelong love. Uh, Lincoln bio. So, uh, I mean, so when you think about it, it's like, it's, it's consistently showing up for your audience. It's con- consistently delivering value. If, you were, if you're building a bigger brand, because creators start doing things, nobody has to do this, but you could do things like meetups or you could do things like events or you launch podcasts, you launch other stuff. Like people want more. They want to connect with you. So it, the day of the week is part of it. And there's certainly, I mean, Mr. Beast is at like every three weeks or something are his uploads. So there's that, those, and those are also becoming, I, I heard one person extrapolated out, they're actually becoming like mid-tier film level 
because of the amount of editing and time, two, three million goes into each one or two to four million goes into each one compared to the amount of time. If you extrapolated that out, it like equates to 10 to 20 million, which is like the price of uh, certain mid-tier movies that are crushing. So he's really playing a whole different deal. So it depends on the model, but, but when do I also- what Mr. Beast is doing. His consistency <laughs> though, he's also got a gaming channel. So even oh, his dude. connection level, like he's got a reaction thing Good going models. on. But he's also, he also is doing things. He's doing meetups. So it's like consistency is just you consistently showing up for people you care about. You consistently showing up, whether that's maybe on other social media, different people writing newsletters. So consistency, I know you're, you're narrowing it to the YouTube. And, and because of the way the algorithm works, and if you also rank videos, you're consistent even when you're not consistent because you actually are still showing up for people, but they want more from you. It's, you think about an artist, it lets down your fans. If there's demand for a new album, you don't bring them new music. So consistency would be to keep showing up and keep creating and keep innovating. I, I think that's not just about like a profitable life. I think that's about a fulfilled and effective life. That's also about loving and serving people and, and giving more and continuing to serve over time, which also would indicate you should, you should also take a break. You should take a sabbatical. You should take some time off. But it's much more about the long game of continuing to show up with a consistent message, consistent brand, consistent value, consistent creativity, new opportunities. We're thinking about doing a, a, a celebration on the Think Media podcast and having people come out to Vegas and come to a theater and meet us in person and maybe, you know, do do a live show. We're just, we're just announcing this live. Like. I mean, I'm just brainstorming <laughs> it around the podcast right now. <laughs> but right. I mean, part of it- Let us know in the comments if you want to, if that should be a thing. I think it'd be cool. Yeah, actually, that would that would be RSVP uh, and we'll see if, but, but, but part of that is also, we know it actually would be harder than what we're doing right now. It'd be- logistics and whatnot, like the Think Media team might have like a sigh, like, oh, that's, that's going to be, but, but, but why? Because of this community, because of, of trying to think about touch points and doing things and memorable moments and all those types of things that go deeper. And if you don't show up consistently, then you're not going to create those moments and you're ultimately not going to create a movement. Because consistency yields dependency and people want to depend on you. And if you're not showing up, they can't. And I even think about phases. I consume people in phases. Like I have a season, I consume this creator and then I, I'm over it. They're still going though and they're still meeting new people. But then I find a new thing. And that's probably, you know, if you're listening to this or watching this, you're, you're, gonna, you're gonna find us for a season. And when you're done, thank you so much for being with us for a season. We're gonna keep going and we're gonna keep posting valuable content because there's more people to meet. Uh, and, or when you wanna come back, we'll be here. You know, there's just something about being dependable as a creator. Dependable. Sheesh. Yo, uh, that's <laughs> it for the podcast episode. Click on the screen. Watch another one. I think you're going to love this episode. I don't even know what it is, but click click on it. Watch it.